Welcome back to the newest episode of the Thinking Jew podcast, where we take topics that you've probably already heard of, and we uncover a whole new, deeper dimension to them. My name is Rabbi Moshe Siegel, and I'm your host from Richardson, Texas. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or future topic requests, you can reach me at the Thinking Jew Podcast at gmail.com. I want to dedicate today's Torah study as a merit to all of the people in Texas and Dallas that are still out of electricity in the freezing cold. It should be a merit for them. They should all get their electricity on quickly. They should all stay warm and be healthy. And if you're listening to this and you know anyone who needs help, please reach out to us. Again, you can reach me at the Thinking Jew Podcast at gmail.com. So today I want to bring out a beautiful idea and really a lesson we can use to enhance our marriages and any significant relationship that we have that we could learn from Haman of the Perm story. Perm is actually coming up in a week and a half. It's a week from this coming Friday. And there's so many different messages and lessons we can take from the Perm story itself. The lesson I want to focus on today is actually an amazing concept that we learned from Haman. And it's what he teaches us on how to improve our marriages and all of our significant relationships. The core of this idea I heard from Rabbi Menachem Epstein. That's Rabbi Epstein of Dada's father. And I'm just going to add to it a little bit myself as well. So the starting point is a fascinating passage in the Talmud, in the Tractate of Chulin, 139b. And the Gemara there mentions four specific people and asks what's the source of them in the Torah. Seemingly, the essence of that person, where do we first find the, the, the source of that person's role, or that person's source in the Torah? So the first person it mentions is actually Moses. It says, Moshe in the Torah minayin, what's the source of Moses in the Torah? Which is really a strange question to ask because... Moses is in almost every single part of the Torah. So it's a fascinating question. Maybe we'll discuss that at a different point in time, not a topic of today. The second person mentioned in the Gemara is Haman Minatari Minayin. What's the source? Where do we find a hint to Haman in the Torah? And the Gemara answers that it's hinted in a verse in Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. The Torah says, Hamin ha'et, is it from this tree? Referring to God calling out Adam when he ate from the tree of knowledge. And he says, was it from the tree perhaps that you ate from? And the words in Hebrew are hamin ha'etz. And the word hamin, which is really the question of, is it from? It's the exact same letters as haman. Haman hamin. The Torah itself doesn't have vowels. So that word can really be read in either of those two ways. So to try to understand exactly how this verse is the source of haman, let's just take a quick moment to analyze the context of this verse and what exactly is going on here. So God places Adam in the Garden of Eden. And if you look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, it says, And God commanded Adam, saying, From all of the trees in the garden, achol tochel, you shall surely eat. Eat it. I want you to eat it. But from that one tree in the center of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and bad, don't eat that tree. Because on the day that you eat from that tree, you will surely die. So God sets up Adam and he says, listen, you're in this paradise. You're in this garden of Eden. You have everything in the garden to eat from. It's all there for your taking. The Medrash goes through and explains there were angels there that were roasting meat for him and giving him delicious wine. Everything he wanted he had. With one caveat, don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of knowledge. And we all know what happened next. The concept of the forbidden fruit, how delightful it is. You always want that which you can't have. Always reminds me of like when you have two kids and one kid is playing with a toy. The other kid can't find a single other toy in the house that he wants other than the one that his sibling has. It's like, that's the only one I want. You have every toy in the house to play from. You have every tree in the garden to eat. But no, I only want that one toy. So the same thing happens here with Adam, right? Adam just wants to eat that one fruit of that one tree. 
despite the fact that he has so much available to him. Now, if we look in the Purim story, we find a very interesting parallel in Haman's behavior and in the sin of Adam. What does the verse say? If you look in the Megillah of Esther, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it says that Haman had risen to power in Ahasuerus' court, and there was a decree that everybody that sees Haman has to bow down to him. And Mordechai refused to bow down. And the verse says, Vayar Haman, and Haman saw that Mordechai refused to bow down to him, and Haman was filled with rage. And he was so angry, he didn't want to just get back at Mordechai, but he wanted to get back at the entire nation of Mordechai. And therefore, Haman decided to plot a way to kill all of the Jews in the entire kingdom of Ahasuerus. Now, if you think about this, Haman was the highest ranking officer in Ahasuerus' court. The entire kingdom of Shushan and the 127 countries that Ahasuerus ruled over, every single constituent bowed down to Haman, gave him honor, and looked up to him. There was one single person that refused to bow down to Haman. And Haman made that same mistake that Adam made. He got focused on the small detail that he doesn't have until he got so caught up in that that it brought about his entire demise, just like Adam. And I think that this is such a powerful principle that we can apply to so many areas of our life. Let's just start with the concept of relationships. In relation with any person, you're going to see the good, the bad, the ugly. You're going to see everything in the person. In general, most people... Your spouse, if you're married right now, or your parent, if you're listening to this and you're not married, whatever the relationship you have that's significant to you, the person, the other person in that relationship probably does a tremendous amount of good things. And they probably also do some bad things. And the question is, what do we focus on? Do we have this beautiful picture of all these million good things they do, and yet we focus on these small negative parts of them, and we get so focused on that it brings about our demise, like Haman and like Adam? Or do we train ourselves to say, no, the picture here is beautiful. There is so much good. Okay, so I can't have from that fruit. Okay, so this person won't bow to me. Okay, so she's a little bit late sometimes. Or he's a little bit sloppy sometimes. Or some other personality is a little off. But overall, the picture is such a beautiful, wonderful picture. And I think if you look in the story in Genesis, you really see that this was really the message that God was bringing out to Adam in the story itself. If you go back to the story, God asks Adam when he's hiding in the garden, and God says to him, well, what happened here? Did you possibly eat from this tree? Hamina H, did you eat from this tree that I told you not to eat from? And what does Adam respond? He says, the woman that you gave me, she gave me the fruit to eat. Adam blames his wife. And not only does he blame his wife, he blames God. He says, God, you gave me this woman, and she's the one that messed me up. And what does God respond back to Adam? This is now chapter 3, verse 17. Adam Amar, to Adam he said, Since you listened to the voice of your wife, and you ate from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from, and God gives certain curses to Adam. God focuses, since you listened to the voice of your wife. God was telling Adam, don't blame this on me saying, God, you gave me this woman. She's your wife. There's good in this person, and there's bad in this person. What are you going to make of this? She's your wife. Your specific life situation that you're experiencing. This is God's message to really all of mankind. The specific situation you're in, it's your situation. It's for you. It's handcrafted for you. And the question is, what are you going to do with it? 
Don't pretend like it's not your fault and these are the circumstances that God made you stuck in. No, she's your wife. This situation was handcrafted for you and you have to figure out how to use it properly. And I think we find right after this that Adam does get this message. Because if you look right after God curses Adam and Eve and the snake, the very next verses in the Torah, now chapter 3, verse 20, it says, And Adam called his wife Chava because she was the mother of all living things. Which is really a very interesting thing because the commentaries ask that we know we read the verse earlier in the Torah that says that God told Adam that the day you eat from the tree of knowledge is the day you're going to die. Meaning Adam was created as an eternal being and because he ate from the tree that brought the concept of death into the world. So if Adam after this message goes and names his wife, he calls her Chava, why? Because she's the mother of all living things. What do you mean? She's the mother of death. You were supposed to live forever and now all of a sudden because she messed you over, she gave you this fruit, now she brought death into the world and now you're going to die. Why are you calling her Chava? And I think the answer is, is that Adam accepted the rebuke from God and he recognized that he can't change the situation he's in anymore and it's all about what he does in that situation. You can't blame your situation on anyone else. And Adam said in that moment, listen, here's my reality that I'm in right now. I live in a world that there's death. I live in a world post-sin. We fell down. We're no longer in the Garden of Eden. Now what am I going to focus on? Am I going to focus on she's the one that got me here? Or am I going to focus on that she can be the vehicle to get us past this difficulty somehow? We can have children together. We can raise them and bring more godliness into the world. And they'll have children. And it might be a long game now. That's going to take us a very long time to get back to where we were in Eden beforehand. But we can eventually get back to the starting point. And the only way for me to do that is through Chava. So she's actually the mother to all living things. And here we find Adam learns to focus on the good and see, but there's this tremendous positive within her. And if I focus on that, I'll be able to fulfill my potential and get to where I really need to get to. And I think a final source to add to this conversation, which is basically explicitly bringing out this concept, is King Solomon, the wisest of men, says in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 12, it literally means that when the righteous exalt, there is great glory. But when the wicked rise up, men make themselves scarce. But there's a tremendous safer from Rabbeinu Yonah called Shari Tshuva, The Gates of Repentance. This is one of the most basic books that teach us really how to properly repent from our sins. And he explains this verse exactly based on the concept we've been discussing today. He says, what does it mean that that when the righteous exalt, there is great glory. He says, this means, Righteous people will exalt and honor people. For every good trait that is found within them. Righteous people will always find the good in people and honor them for that good. But the wicked people, Wicked people search out the flaws and the blemishes, the mistakes people make, in order to bring them down. So I think the takeaway from Haman and from Adam and our lesson today, which King Solomon repeats to us in Proverbs, is that every situation we're in in life, we have the opportunity to focus on the good in the situation and enjoy it and grow from it, or focus on the bad, which inevitably will always lead to our demise. And give us all a blessing that we should all train ourselves to look at all of the relationships we have in life and focus on the good 
and see the good in the other person. And through this, we'll find these relationships so much more enjoyable, so much more meaningful, and we'll be able to really get to our greatest potential in life. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Thinking Jew podcast. As always, if you want to reach out to me about it, I can reach out to the Thinking Jew podcast at gmail.com.